And I think that's what he calls us to, to the God of hope, the God of hope that's in control no matter what is going on in our world or what's going on in each of our individual lives. He, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can give us as we trust and hope in him, gives us joy and peace and hope overflowing so that those around us can see something different than what they see in the world. Hope. It's a fairly prevalent theme here, and few bring it to the surface as much as Diana Wimber. But this is as much her husband's story as it is hers, a story of hope and strength. Hello, and welcome to the Hill Stories Podcast, a space to tell the God stories unique to the people at Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. I'm your host, David Wilson. We are sitting down with Diana Wimber, who has been a member of Chapel Hill for quite a while now. Now, I've known you personally, uh, so for 10 years now, because my memory is getting a little faulty, but I don't know everything about you and all of the things that you've been involved in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background with Chapel Hill? Well, my husband and I moved to Gig Harbor. We were transferred, not transferred, my husband took a a new job, uh, and we left the Elk Grove, California area, Sacramento area, and moved up here in January 2003, and bought a home, and the people that we bought our home from invited us to church, and that was Chapel Hill, and I could spend an hour just talking about all the incredibly special ways that we are right where we're supposed to be, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Never even tried another church. Bought our house and got a church, and at the time they were called Cove Groups, all in one. Yeah. What specifically have you been involved with over the years? Well, I come from a background of working with women, loving doing Bible studies as a young mom. That's when I first jumped into going and gleaning so much from, from women that were older than me and more seasoned than me and learning so much about Jesus from them. And so I just ended up being in leadership over the years and came from that when we moved up here. And so right away I unpacked my boxes and and joined the Tuesday Women's Bible Study in March of that first year, 2003. And by the fall I was starting to help uh, assist someone else and and then it just evolved into being more and more involved in the what we used to call Tuesday Learning and Caring, TLC, and then it eventually became Women's Life. When I met you, though, you were an elder. I was. And I'm trying to remember if when I first met you, I believe it was because you were the chair yes. of the elders. Yes. How'd you get to that point? Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it could only be a God thing. Mm. If you look at my qualifications and everything <laughs> else, I would have said, no way. But you know what? It was one of the most special things I've ever done because we were at a point where we were looking at denom- denominational issues and knowing nothing, having not a background in that, it was incredible to see how God led us through that and being a part of Chapel Hill at that point and getting to be at the chair of session at that time was uh, really special. And to see how God moved to take us from where we were to where we are now was really good. And faith building. When... People become Christian. It doesn't mean that we're going to have a smooth road. Mm -hmm. 
just means we're going to be accompanied on the journey, mm -hmm. certainly, uh, at the very least. And you haven't had a smooth road. And that's mm -hmm. part of the reason you're here mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. How would you like to start talking about that? Well, I would say uh, just a teeny tiny bit of background. Just raised in a Christian home. But in my teen years, I pretty much walked away. Our family as a whole family. My parents went through a divorce. And, and, and then Paul and I met and did, fell in love and went into did some premarital counseling and came to a recommitment to Jesus in our first year of marriage and never turned around, never turned back. And so my journey is a faith follower, Jesus follower, lover of Jesus. And so I, I would say in around 2005, God just had me going deeper deeper in his words, spending time, I can think of right where I sat at my table in the kitchen. And it was, it was deeper than ever before, more in his word, and becoming very, very precious to me. And I'm really grateful for those years of 2005, 2006, um, early 2006, because uh, my middle son went through some real tough, a real tough stretch in 2006 that ended up eventually including a stint in prison and having gone through the prior years, not just my young adulthood of walking with Jesus, but those years of really focused where I knew God was doing something in my heart and I'm very, very grateful because it really helped a, a very tough fall of 2006, and I happened to be the um, coordinator of TLC that year, and if I would have known what was ahead, that my son was going to be arrested in August, and TLC was going to start back in September, I would have never said yes to that, and so what ended up happening was walking out a really tough journey with our son in front of these ladies, <laughs> and just having to share some really tough things, and yet share with them how good God was and how gentle he was with my family as we walked through some really tough things. So that was the fall of 2006. And just about a year later, I took my husband for, again, I was the coordinator of TLC that year, and took my husband for an endoscopy in the morning. And prior to that, the week before, I had had surgery on both hands. And I would always share with the women on Tuesday mornings, just a little bit before we would jump into Bible study and dividing into our small tables. And so the week prior to October 23rd, 2007, I knew I needed to prepare whatever I was going to share with the ladies the week before because I wouldn't have the use of my right hand. Uh, after that. So everything God gave me for them was on trust. And I remember thinking, oh, this, I'm, I really pray this is going to bless them and, and be just what they need to hear. And fast forward to the following Tuesday morning, and I take my husband for his endoscopy and ran home and got dressed. And then I was going to come pick him up, drop him off at home and run on to TLC and got there. And, and the doctor ushered us into a small room and and looked at Paul and just said, uh, Paul, I found a tumor and I believe it's cancer. And with those 10 words, truly our, our life changed from then until now. 
And that, I will tell you, was probably my biggest life fear was that someone I loved, someone in my immediate family or close or myself would get cancer, the big C word or a little C word. And so here I was now faced with that word and it was my beloved husband and he was 55 years old. And so I tried to swallow that one. Actually, what we did, I'll just say, is our doctor was a Christian, and so the three of us sat in our chairs in that little tiny room, and at that very moment, we committed it to Jesus. We committed the journey, all the unknowns, and the very scary, I mean, he prepared us for, it, it, it was not um, an easy, going to be an easy road, for sure, we knew that. So I uh, walked out and dropped Paul off, and and went on and, and stood up in front of the ladies and shared with them that I thought this, I had something to share for them and how God knew I needed to know that I could trust him at that moment. Really trust him. It was something that really scared me. And so I went home that afternoon and, and it was the only time that I got on the internet to look up esophageal cancer. One time. And and I remember sitting there and reading all the, all the statistics and all the, the prognosis, and, or, well, just what they share with you about what it is and what the likely journey is. And I knew I could either put my face at faith in God's Word and in Him and walk it out day by day with Him, or I could learn all I could about esophageal cancer and go that route. I chose Jesus. <laughs> I never got on the internet again, never looked it up. It doesn't mean we didn't learn things through doctors and, and through other people that were walking through it, but that was not going to be my focus. And um, so it was a tough, tough, tough road. Those couple of years right after that, he had chemotherapy, radiation, and then he had radical surgery in March, uh, March 18th of 2008 and then followed up with even more radical chemotherapy. And that surgery was, again, it was trusting Jesus. And I remember that night, sitting in my car, because the margins hadn't been as good as the surgeon had hoped, and, and it was farther advanced than he thought. And, and I remember thinking, Lord, why weren't the margins bigger? Why wasn't this as successful as we were hoping? And I remember the Lord saying, did you ask me to guide the surgeon? Yes. Okay. Trust. <laughs> Again. So then the next, just fast forward, the prognosis that he would have maybe a couple years, my husband just continued to thrive. He was reminded every day that he had cancer. He was reminded always of what he'd gone through, but he was able to eat and drink and work in the yard and golf and, and continue his career. And... um and we had challenges. He always had pain, and he always had challenges, but he lived life. And doctors thought that because it usually comes back within two years, we were done. He had made it. And then in December of 2017, my husband started losing weight. And at this point, he didn't have any weight to lose. He'd lost a tremendous amount of weight the first time and then could gain back about 25 pounds of that and never had a weight problem from then on. So in December, when he started losing weight, that wasn't a good thing. And so in January, they started doing tests, and yeah, he's getting a little weaker and losing a little bit of weight, but we, were, we certainly weren't thinking cancer. And then my father 
passed away in church in the balcony on uh, March 18th, 10 years after my husband's major surgery, 2018. And um, after he passed away, Paul truly was having some real health issues. And in May, the surgeon who had done his major surgery in 2008 prepared us that he really thought maybe Paul's cancer had come back. But the test they did, nothing was showing that his cancer had come back. No tests that they were running were doing that. And so he had another major surgery on June 18th, 2018, and that took the wind out of him, truly. Uh, the surgeon prepared us that that would be harder on him than the esophageal cancer he had gone through. And so he lost more weight, and by August, things were not looking good, but they still hadn't found any cancer until November. And that's when they did and had to go in and do major surgery again to find that, yes, in fact, his esophageal cancer had returned. And, you know, uh, through it all, we were, we were just looking to him and trusting him. I remember the many, many times that God's word spoke to him, spoke to me time and time again, and, and all the way up to that diagnosis of esophageal return. And that was around the middle, uh, maybe the third week of November, and we, he was in hospice care by December 2nd. You know, all along that last year, he had so many people that he was able to share Jesus with pray with, talk to about eternal things. And it was the same with me, both of us in different ways, but to share how God walked us through an incredibly tough, tough year. A, a tough 13 year, or well, at that point it would have been 11 years. Yeah, about 11 years. 11 years, but uh, a tough journey. And then on December 14th, my... Uh, beloved husband of 39.5 years left this earth and and uh, went home to meet Jesus. And I will tell you the journey for me, uh, my greatest fear of cancer and then losing a loved one, now I could say I'd walk through. But not th- walk through alone. Never alone. I can tell you, even before my husband passed, I was a little trepidatious of of not having him there and talking to Jesus about that and just saying you know you know how much I dislike his business trips and times when he's out of town you know I'm going to have a struggle with this and from the very first night God was there for me and he has been there for me every day since my husband's been gone October 14th will be 22 months and the two year anniversary will be December 14th of this year and the way God has spoken and carried me and helped me and comforted me, as he promises he will, he's been steadfast and he's helped me. And I'm healing, still grieving, missing that husband of mine, but I've seen a faithful God. And one of the things I shared at Paul's service was better to know where to lean before you have to lean. And I will just say, it's not a Bible verse, but I will say it's the truth. <laughs> better know to know where to lean because we're all going to go through tough stuff. And if 2020 hasn't taught us something uh, <laughs> like that, 
that we could not have imagined what this year would look like. And it's better to know where to lean. Our God is a rock, capital R. And he has been my rock through 14 really tough years. I'm going to go back a little bit because one of the things that you said stuck with me, and that was when your husband was first diagnosed, you looked up esophageal cancer once. Mm -hmm. Now, I know what I would want to do, and that is find out all the information I could for it. Mm -hmm. And you got me thinking when you said that, and I thought, well, maybe if I'm looking up the internet and getting all the information I can, what I'm doing in a way is setting myself up for the expected path I'm going to take. What you decided was, I'm going to look it up once, and then I'm going to turn to God, and I'm going to let him pick the path I'm going to take. Does that seem fair? I didn't go into it thinking I would look at it once. I'd never heard of esophageal cancer, really, really, except maybe in passing. And so when I got on and looked, it, it really, really scared me. It shook me because I knew unless God did a miracle, my husband would not make it past probably the two-year mark and I would be widowed at 49. That was the reality. And I could either go down that fear road or I could trust God. Okay. And I knew, I knew for me, the road I was going to take because whatever the outcome, whatever the outcome. In this case, not only is God someone to lead on, but he is becoming a leader for you. In what ways did he practically, pragmatically lead you in this journey? Well, I would say I just kept doing what I'd always done once I became a Christian as an adult. Kept getting up in the morning, making my cup of coffee, getting out my Bible and my journal, and starting my day knowing where my anchor is. I brought a little, a little uh, compass with me because Jesus is my compass. His word is my compass. He is my true north. And knowing where, where your stability, knowing where your foundation is, and going there day in and day out, not just on Sundays, not just when you get bad news, but day in and day out. I remember years ago that I used to start my day as a young mom with my coffee and my newspaper, and I looked to the what was happening in the, in the news, weather and the stories in the news and all of that, and there was a morning where the Lord said to me, if you don't have time to read the Bible, you don't have time to read the paper, and at that point, it was such a struggle because it had become such a habit, and over time, though, I began to obey him more and more to the point where now I don't even take a newspaper. Now, I keep abreast of the news, but it no longer was where I filtered what's important in life and my security in what's happening around me. My rock, my anchor, my compass, my north star is Jesus. I love the compass analogy. (laughs) And you do have it sitting on the table right in front of you. So I do appreciate that. You mentioned that Paul was able to share his faith. Uh Can you think of a specific example of that? I can. Uh, 
you know, he, he was a golfer and he had a career. He was a father and a friend and a neighbor. And during this whole, really from, it was a journey for both of us, not just for him or for me. We were in it together from the moment we first heard. And he just, he, he would share in his, in his quiet way. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a thump you on the head with the Bible. He just shared life. And Jesus was at the core of his life. And so whether, whatever he was doing. So that last year, he had many, many, many conversations with a lot of men, some Christian and some not. And there was a day in, I want to say December, whatever that first December was of 2000. 18, I want to say it was the first, there were 20 men that gathered at our home. Many, many were Christians, and there were quite a few that were not. And Paul was in bed at that point, and so he, they just came right up to our bedroom, and, and I was sitting on the bed next to him, and, and then there were these men that were gathered and asking him questions. We, we talked, we shared. They would ask questions. They would re- share stories. And God had been, had given Paul a real opportunity to share his pursuit of money and a career and a lot of getting better and better at golf. And he got to share (laughs) how, you know, in the big scheme of life, those are not, those are not the true riches. And he was able to share that with men. And that was literally just before he went into hospice care. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the day before. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. That is amazing that he had the strength, mm-hmm. desire to share that. And he was also able to do that over the years. And he was a great dad and loved to share things with his kids. Uh, he was able to share with all of his sons during those days and during that year. And, and really some, you know, when you know your, your, uh, your years are coming to an end, and rapidly. Um, There's some things you want to share with your nearest and dearest, and and he did. He was able to have moments all the way up until that last few days with our family. Diana, one of the things that has been noted is that through your trial, you did not close yourself off, nor did Paul close himself off from other people. You said, this is the journey we're on. This is the, this is the experience we're having. And we want others to learn from it, to be a part of it. Talk about that a little bit and how you got into that mindset. What may be a Bible verse or what God was telling you at the time. Well, I'll go back to when I first found out that our son was arrested in August of 2006 and I was the coordinator for the Tuesday Bible study, I I knew me. I wouldn't have said yes to this as I'm about to walk something like that with my son. And so I knew. God had allowed it for a reason. And then one year later to now also be walking through this with Paul. And again, I'm the coordinator. I knew God was requiring me and also requiring Paul in his way, for us to walk it out with people. And I think that's God's way, is he allows the journeys that we each go through, and each one of us has our own unique journey, but we walk it out in a way that 
We come alongside people, some of us in our ache and some of us in our in what we see Jesus doing that gives us strength where we know we could not do what we're doing on our own. And and so whether it was with the ladies at church or neighbors or even I will say ladies I golf with, I can't even tell you how many opportunities I had to talk about my faith with women that I maybe wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity, but because of going through something so hard with my husband, it opened doors. And I see it to this present day that God has continued to just let me share and live out the journey such as it's been. The tough times, the hard times, the heartbreaking times, and and you know where your rock is. And that makes all the difference, especially, and I'll just mention it again, this year, you know, you see people who are angry, you see people who are fearful, and it's been one thing after another after another, and if you just look at life and don't know there's a big, powerful God that is still in control, it'd be very easy to be discouraged and give up. And when you go through tough stuff, like me with losing my husband, same thing. But when you know to the core of your heart who he is, and his word is our is our compass, and that no matter what he allows, there's a song, in fact I listened to it again this morning, what the enemy meant for evil, he turns it for good. And the words of that song are powerful, and it is so true that no matter what it is, God can use those things for his ultimate purposes. And so my son's prison experience shaped me in ways I would not have chosen. That was not my plan for my son, as you can imagine. And walking through cancer with my husband was not my plan. In fact, it was my biggest fear. And yet with God, I've been able to walk through that and not just walk through Paul's cancer, but walk through his death to the moment where he passed from this world to the next. And, and since then, uh, whether, you know, just, just talking with other people about what they're going through, um, I think when you've gone through some tough stuff, it, uh, it oftentimes gives you almost permission that when you've shared that and people know that, they're, uh, seems like a little bit more likely to sometimes open up with you. And, and, um, and maybe that's why we're here, huh? Mm-hmm. So that whatever we're going through, the good times and the hard times, who we believe in and what we stake our life on, that we're not living for the, just the here and now, that what we're doing now, we pray, has eternal value and eternal impact. You said God was requiring you to use your situation and you were able to glorify him through it. And that's powerful. It's inspirational. And I thank you for that. Do you have a favorite verse that you like to go to? Oh, I have a whole bunch of them. I, yeah. have, I expected you did. <laughs> I was, 
I wasn't sure if I wanted to ask you to choose one, but oh, no. I'll just share a couple of them. My probably my one that is my first and from my younger years was uh, is Proverbs three five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will give you. Uh, he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. Thank you very much for ending that for me. And one that that God gave me during Paul's first year of his cancer was and is Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what he calls us to, to the God of hope, the God of hope that's in control no matter what is going on in our world or what's going on in each of our individual lives. He, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can give us as we trust and hope in him, gives us joy and peace and hope overflowing so that those around us can see something different than what they see in the world. There's one little thing that we haven't wrapped up yet. Uh You have mentioned your son a couple of times. Uh Now, do you have three sons? I do. How are they doing? You know, they, uh, they miss their dad. I know that. I know that they all profoundly miss him. We all do. And life doesn't seem quite right without him. Uh, my oldest son is, he is on a, a real path with Jesus right now that's good. And I don't I mean that in a preachy kind of a way. His heart is in a real tender, good place as a dad, as a husband, uh, as a man, as a son, and as a brother. And, um, and he really feels like God wants him to even reach out to his brothers in a greater way, deeper way. My middle son has a real tender heart towards the Lord and not quite where I'd like to see him, but you know, his prison experience and his experiences since then have all shaped him on his own journey. And he is on a journey. And I believe that son is at some point going to fully surrender his life to the Lord and then my youngest son, he's in a little bit of a deep, hard place at the moment. And I will tell you, I go where I always know to go. I go to the one who holds my sons, all three, of their hearts in his big mm-hmm. hands. And I trust him with their lives, with their eternal destiny. I trust him with them as fathers. And... Um, and I trust him to use all the things that they've been through, including their father's journey, for his ultimate purposes in their lives. Though I haven't seen all the things I'd like to see yet. We always want the best for our children. Mm-hmm. And you have turned to the father mm-hmm. to ask for the best for your children. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can appreciate that as well. Diana, thank you very much for your time today, for your story, for your inspiration, for your openness and prayers for you and your family as you move forward Mm -hmm. with your story. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. This has been Hill Stories, originating at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. The opinions expressed are those of the participants for the edification of our listeners and do not necessarily reflect those of Chapel Hill leadership or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of the United States. If you would like more information or to submit an idea for a future episode, 
Our email address is hillstories at chapelhillpc.org. For everyone here at Chapel Hill, I'm David Wilson. Thank you and God bless.